Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. This episode of the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast Series is brought to you by GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high-quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Katie Lewis, an associate professor of soil chemistry and fertility with Texas A&M University. Katie will be discussing cover crops and crop rotations. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you, Sarah, and I'm happy to be here. To get started, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie. So I am uh, married to a farmer as well as an associate professor, like you said, with Texas A&M AgriLife Research, which is part of the Texas A&M system. And I also have a joint appointment with Texas Tech University. I have been in Lubbock since 2014 after finishing grad school um, at Texas A&M as well. Uh, My husband farms here about 30 miles from Lubbock where I am located and we 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 live what we do and um, try to incorporate the things that we are researching into our on-farm practices. Well, um, let's go ahead and, and jump right in talking about today's topic. Why is it so challenging for growers to fit cover crop into crop rotations? So I, I think there are you know several challenges. The first one being the environment that they're working in. That's always going to be our greatest challenge. Where I'm located in the southern high plains of Texas, we are a semi-arid environment that receives on average 18 inches of rainfall annually. And so that's probably the biggest concern, especially for our dry land farmers, is whether or not they're going to get a rainfall to replenish what water the cover crop is used. I think also timing comes into play depending on where you're at and what crop you're following with a cover crop. Sometimes there can be challenges with getting a crop harvested and getting a cover crop established due to um, colder temperatures if you're going with a winter cover crop. And then weeds. Weeds can also be an issue too, especially in the case where you are trying to implement a mixed species cover, trying to control your winter weeds or your summer weeds during a summer cover crop. So does incorporating cover crops into crop rotations look different for growers who live in different regions of the United States? Most definitely. And I wouldn't even say just regions across the United States, but even different areas across Texas. Um, You know, we work, we have colleagues, collaborators in South Texas that can implement different systems more effectively than we can here in the Southern High Plains or the Northern part of Texas. And so the same would be the case across the United States. It's all about what's going to work based on environmental conditions. Let's talk dollars for a minute. Um, How can adding cover crops to a grower's crop rotations result in higher profits? 
So that's a tough question. Um, we have looked at the economics with cover crops and, you know, from a profitability standpoint, it's not something that I think most farmers are going to see immediately. It's definitely um, a process that takes time to change um, some of the, the characteristics of the soil uh, to improve water holding capacity, things like that. You know, from the standpoint of reducing input cost, I think a cover crop, depending on seed selection, um, can reduce your input cost because you're not going across the field. Most of the time when cover crops are being implemented, they're in um, conjunction with a reduced tillage operation. And so you're making less tractor passes across the field, um, less fuel. And so your input costs can be less. However, with a lot of the mixed species cover crops that are being suggested based on um, soil health principles, there can be an additional cost associated with the cover crop seed. So I would I'd say that farmers, growers, they need to be aware of, you know, what those input costs look like if they do want to reduce those and increase their profitability. When growers are making their plan for the next growing season, why should they devote as much time to planning their cover crops as they put to planning for their cash crops? So when it comes to uh, planning for your cover crops, there is a lot of thought that needs to go into that because not every cover crop is going to work in your area, in your region. So there needs to be um, thought put into cover crop selection, not just from a climatic standpoint, but also, um, you know, what herbicides can be used um, in that cover crop and what your your cash crop or your following crop is going to be to ensure that you're not going to have any residual effects from a herbicide standpoint. Also, when it comes to nutrient management, if your goal of a cover crop is to try to reduce inorganic fertilizer additions or inputs into the system, then that's the case where, you know, legumes should be implemented or incorporated into the cover crop. So definitely lots of questions and things to consider. I mentioned budget earlier. Budget, I think, is always going to be one of the number one things to consider when selecting and planning for your cover crop. Definitely. So we hear a lot that growers should choose one cover crop benefit or goal to pursue when they're making their plan for cover crops. How does a grower choose which goal will most maximize their operation? So I'm going to use the Southern High Plains as an example um, to, to answer that question. Here on the High Plains, our soils are predominantly sandy. Um, we have high wind erosion potential. And so most growers goal with a cover crop on the Southern High Plains is going to be to reduce wind erosion. So I think farmers just have to look as at their system um, and even individual farms and what is their greatest limiting factor on that farm and how can that farmer use cover crops to address that limitation. And so I think that's really, um, you know, based on that, that would be how they decide on what their goal or the benefit of the cover crop would be. So what might be some examples of maybe how a grower might adapt a cover crop rotation 
to their own particular conditions at their farm? You know, I think with with cover crops, again, there are so many different goals or reasons for being for implementing that cover crop into their cropping system. And so trying to, you know, think about what your goal is, but then also think about some of the challenge that you challenges that you might encounter when implementing or adapting that cover crop into um their system. So, for example, if a farmer is wanting to implement um, just a small grain wheat, rye into their cropping system, there are other things that need to be considered. And, you know, termination timing is a big one, but also how you're going to manage your nutrients in that system. By adding large amounts of organic material from the small grain cover, and depending on when that cover is terminated, that can influence nutrient availability, um, particularly nitrogen, following the cover crop into your cropping system. And so being aware of, you know, not just the cover crop, but then how it's also going to influence the following crop are are things that need to be considered in order to have successful implementation of the cover crop into your cropping system. Why should maybe growers consider using an early maturing cash crop to allow to get more timely crop establishment later in the growing season? Yeah, so that's an excellent um, question. One of the challenges that we face here on the High Plains is that, you know, most of our cropping systems, cotton is the, the major crop. And so when we're trying to get a cover crop established following cotton harvest, uh, you know, we're harvesting cotton in late October, early November, sometimes up into December. And so we can have, I think our average freeze is November 15th. So a lot of times the soil is already cool and trying to get early establishment of the cover crop can be really challenging. And so if we do go with an um, earlier maturing cotton variety, then we could potentially get our cover crop established earlier. Um, A lot of times we really don't see the cover crop really start taking off as far as growth until February or March. And then by the time we need to plant cotton in May, we're having to terminate the cover crop pretty quick. Um, So really considering, again, the system as a whole, not just each individual crop. So earlier you mentioned that Sometimes growers can substitute small grains in the crop rotation. What would be some of those other factors growers should consider if they want to substitute, say, wheat in a crop rotation? So whenever considering a crop rotation versus, um, you know, a continuous crop with a cover crop, I think there can be many benefits, especially if water is a limitation. So where you have um, here on the High Plains, the about 50% of our acres, 40 to 50% of our acres are irrigated using center pivot. And so a lot of times farmers are limited to the amount of water that they can pump in a given growing season. And so they will split the pivot in half and plant half of it to cotton and then uh, possibly, like you mentioned, wheat on the other half or some are using grain sorghum 
other green crops in rotation with cotton. And that's really an excellent strategy when it comes to conserving water, but also improving the overall quality of the soil because you are getting, you know, crop diversity into that system as well as adding um, diverse sources of organic material to the system through the crop rotation. Now, it is possible with a rotation to also, also implement um, cover crops, whether it be winter crops, cover crops, or summer crops. So, for example, in a cotton wheat system, there are several farmers on the high plains that during what would typically be the fallow period following a wheat harvest, they're implementing summer cover crops to add additional organic material to the system. But that would definitely be the case um, where water may not be as much of a limiting factor in that system. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. And now back to the podcast. So earlier in our conversation, we talked about um, how growers can use a short season cover crop to squeeze covers into that crop rotation. Can overseeding be used to squeeze covers into the fall? Yeah, and there are quite a few farmers that or on the high plains that have developed um, different drills that are essentially just raised up so that they can clear whatever cotton crop or whatever crop they have in the field so that they can overseed their cover crop prior to cotton harvest. One of the issues that they do face when doing that is um, defoliation of their cotton crop. So unlike many other crops, we do have to go out and chemically defoliate, essentially kill the crop so that we can harvest. Um, There are some cases, especially in organic production, where you wait for the first freeze. Um, However, but as we've talked, that would just delay being able to get the cover crop in. So there are considerations when considering what cover crop you're using to overseed and what chemicals are going to be used when defoliating your cotton crop. So again, another one of those considerations, thoughts, plans that you have to put in place before making that decision to overseed. Absolutely. So why is it important for growers to have a plan for cover crop termination when they're planning their crop rotations? That is an excellent question, especially in those semi-arid environments, termination could not be, it is one of the most important things. And it's not just from a water standpoint, but also when it comes to uh, nutrient availability. So I talked a little bit earlier about how implementing a wheat cover can potentially reduce nitrogen availability for your following cash crop. So what's going on there is the carbon to nitrogen ratio of whatever cover crop you're using in that system can influence the rate of mineralization or immobilization. If we have net immobilization occurring, this can reduce availability. Things like wheat and rye, the longer we let those go before we terminate them, the um, 
wider the carbon to nitrogen ratio becomes and the greater potential for immobilization to occur and you'll have reduced nitrogen availability. So it's really important, again, not just from a water standpoint, but also from a nitrogen availability standpoint. So um, if a, a grower is maybe waiting for their cover crop to mature in the spring and it say it delays planting corn, would you say that that's a problem for them or can the, is it something they can work with? I definitely think that the... Um, they shouldn't wait on the cover crop to mature. So honestly, you know, from the standpoint of cover crop, again, it goes back to what your goal is. And if your goal is to have sufficient ground cover to reduce evaporation losses, for example, it doesn't take letting that cover crop get to full maturity to have significant amount of cover to protect the soil surface. So, my opinion, both professionally and personally, would be that the cash crop needs to be your primary focus. And so you want to ensure that you are terminating your cover crop with a sufficient amount of time to be able to get your cash crop planted in a timely fashion. So we've talked a little bit about moisture. How do growers ensure when they're adding cover crops to their crop rotation that they will have adequate moisture levels, particularly if they live in a dry land scenario mm -hmm. um, like, like you do. Termination timing, again, is going to be key. Uh, depending on where you are, NRCS has recommendations as far as how long you need to give between cover crop termination and planting your cash crop. And that is intended to ensure that, you know, based on what our annual rainfall patterns look like, that we should um, generally have a significant amount of time to be able to replenish what moisture was used by the cover crop. To me, it's extremely risky to use a cover crop in a dry land scenario, especially in cotton cropping systems, just because of our delayed seeding when it comes to the cover crop and then having to terminate early enough to have a sufficient amount of time to be able to replenish what moisture was used. Now, in an irrigated system where you do have the ability to turn a pivot on or your subsurface drip on to replenish that moisture, what we have found in a long-term tillage study um, that's been in place for 23 years now is that where you have improved your overall soil quality, then you are better able to capture and store moisture and replenish that deficit more quickly where you have a cover crop compared to a conventional tillage system. And so I think, you know, there's a big difference when we're talking about places that receive 18 inches of rain versus 30 inches of rain. The risk is definitely much less in those higher rainfall areas compared to our extreme semi-arid, close to arid type systems. So a lot of times we hear that when there's more time between a, the planting of the same crop, so for example, uh, you know, if you leave a year between planting corn and then you wait a year and then another planting of corn, when that happens, the grower will see problems with weeds, disease, and insects decrease. 
Can you explain a little bit why that happens? Yes. So during that fallow period where you would, you know, in some cases possibly implement a cover crop, but instead I think what you're referring to is we just leave the soil um, fallow for however, three, four months, however long it might be. Um, And so when it comes to uh, pathogens or diseases, for instance, you're essentially taking away that food source. So I think of root knot nematode as a big one that we deal with here on the high plains. And when you have that fallow period, that's where we see the greatest reduction in root knot nematode. And especially, you know, that next crop, we definitely see an increase in production because of that fallow period and the reduction in root knot nematode. When it comes to weeds, um, having the fallow period allows you more opportunities to be able to spray different herbicides um, or to use mechanical means of controlling weeds through tillage. And so you're you're opening yourself up to um, greater control of pests, both weeds, diseases, nematodes. Um, and then from a water standpoint, you know, there's belief that you're, you're replenishing the moisture by leaving it fallow. I tend to lean more the other direction from the standpoint of, you know, having a cover there keeps the erosion from occurring, wind erosion from occurring. Um, it also protects the soil surface. It reduces evaporation losses. While you are still using moisture or the cover crop is using moisture, I think overall from a moisture standpoint, you're better to have some sort of cover on the ground. Some growers may hesitate to use cover crops because they're afraid the cover crop will be competing with the cash crop. How can growers reduce that risk? I think, again, it goes back to um, terminating your cover crop with a significant or sufficient amount of time um, to get your cash crop planted. So as long as we're, again, thinking about the system as a whole and considering all of those challenges that might occur when it comes to the interactions between the cover crop and the cash crop and ensuring that we are reducing any potential limitations that are caused by the cover crop. So water being one, again, timely termination is gonna be key to ensuring that you have um, moisture available for the cash crop. Great. One thing I I read about in some of my research is um, using cover crops for a full year between cash crops. Have you ever seen that done before? And under, under what circumstances might that be a good idea? So I have personally not had any experience with that. Um, There are some discussions about um, using perennials as cover crops um, and planting cash crops into um, the perennial during a dormant season. So that might be something along the lines of what you're referring to. Uh, To me, when I think of having a cover crop for an entire year, it would be, in that case, why not just have a crop rotation? So why not implement a cotton wheat fallow rotation where there's about 11 month fallow period in between wheat harvest and um, planting a cotton crop? Okay. So when managing crop rotations, What precautions should growers take when dealing with herbicides? 
And that's a a great question. I am definitely not a weed scientist. I'm a soul scientist, but I do interact quite often um, with our weed science program here at Texas A&M AgriLife Research. And, you know, I think you really have to be aware of what the residuals of certain herbicides are so that you know that by the time you go to plant that next crop, that there's no carryover of that herbicide that's going to negatively influence um, crop emergence, growth, and production. Okay. Um, In a continuous cotton system, what benefits are added when a winter annual cover crop is added to the, the rotation? From the research that we've been conducting, uh, there are an endless number of soil benefits that you're going to see when implementing uh, a cover crop as well as reduced tillage into a continuous cotton system. We've seen increases in soil organic carbon, um, which then also stimulates microbial activity. Because our soils are so sandy, we do see a reduction in erosion and soil losses. We increase our water capture and water storage where we have a cover crop in place. So again, the soil benefits are endless. However, even though we're seeing these soil benefits, we have not seen a benefit or an increase in our lint yields when it comes to the cotton crop. And so that's one of the the things that we've really been working pretty hard on is trying to identify what the limiting factors are in the system. And so we've evaluated a lot of the things that you and I have discussed today. Water, we've looked at um, pathogens, root knot nematodes. We've also looked at nutrient availability. And from the research that we've conducted, like I mentioned earlier, we don't see that reduction uh, or we see a a more increased um, rate of replenishing the deficit of water that's created with the cover crop where we have improved our soil health through the use of covered crops and no tillage. Um, However, we haven't quite figured out um, what is going on from a nutrient standpoint. We have been looking at adjusting the timing of nitrogen applications to potentially offset nitrogen immobilization. And I think that's where the greatest promise is, is trying to optimize our nutrient management strategies to offset the immobilization that's occurring following a cover crop. And so that's really where we've been focusing our attention, because I do believe, you know, with the improved um, soil health and soil quality that we're seeing, the benefits from a soil standpoint that we um, we should be seeing an improvement in our lint yield. However, we haven't reached that point after 23 years. So there's definitely something else that's still limiting the system. So where can our listeners go for more information about crop rotations? So our extension program, we have um, excellent resources so they can go to the Texas A&M AgriLife website. There's lots of good information there. Um, You can also follow me on Twitter at Texas Soil FERT. And anytime we have any new publications or um, extension type documents, we we post those there. And so they would be available to you through um, social media. Great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us, Katie. Thank you for having me. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands. 
You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.